Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. So, welcome to our illustrious conversation, the real deal on super, super, super privilege and honor for a couple of reasons, and I will get into it. But first, I want to introduce our illustrious, amazing guest. Um, I I always share this. This is so fun because I get to almost get as cool as you speaking. I model some of my uh, vocal after your prowess. So forgive the the intensity. All right, you're right. Oh, hey, uh, I get it, baby. You got your charisma. You got to use it. Charisma. Let's go. All right. Marshall so you, you, used two, you used two words already that I like. Illustrious and prowess. Prowess, I, I can dig. I get that. Illustrious is usually like, I, I think of, you know, flowing hair. So I'm, well, I'm fascinated. I, I'm growing it out. So it's, uh, you know. You look lovely. You look illustrious. <laughs> or, or a lustful, at least. <laughs> well, I got to have goals, right? Absolutely. All right. So Marshall Silver, the millionaire maker, as the number one leading expert on subconscious reprogramming and irresistible influence for over 20 years, Silver has entertained, educated and transformed the lives of thousands of people. He's the author of Passion, Profit and Power. The through and through infomercials has sold over a million copies of his personal development programs worldwide. In fact, his teachings on personal development have been main attribute to his worldwide acclaim. He has led training programs for IBM, Ford, KFC, and Pepsi, teaching the management of these leading corporations how to motivate employees while also teaching staff how to easily produce higher sales. Silver has been named the millionaire maker and is one of the most sought after keynote speakers to date. He has been invited to teach on other speakers' platforms, including Donald Trump, Robert Kiyosaki, Bill Clinton, Robert Allen, and many others. Through education, Silver motivates people to take action in the present moment and change their lives in a positive way forever. With that, Silver is itching or was itching for a bigger challenge and is now on a mission to win a Nobel Prize for single-handedly turning around the economy of the United States. With this mission in mind, Silver has created a whole new curriculum as well as a business opportunity where his students are now able to profit up to 70% gross of each sale of his new programs. Certainty Inc., Silver's latest masterpiece, is a coalition of individuals committed to help each other create abundance in their lives as well as help solve all of the world's financial challenges through education. Silver has ventured into new medium to help educate people on subconscious reprogramming and persuasion and influence the world of motion pictures. Silver wrote, produced, and starred in the film Tranced, a movie designed to hypnotize the audience to interact and participate with the characters on screen. Currently, he is working on the finishing touches of the latest hypnosis movie, Tranced, The Experience, which will be released in the near future. Boom. Greatest introduction you've had all day. 
Well, you know what? That took an hour, so it was a nice show. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I could. Well, was it? I it wasn't two minutes because I was gonna maybe grab your intro, which is awesome too. But I figured I'd have fun. Well, I, I love doing that. I, I'm I'm like an announcer in a second life. Uh, but I, I want to tell you the. I don't know if I had the chance to to share this specifically, but early on in my transformation and and getting like my life straight and like getting off, you know, drugs and like all sorts of crazy stuff. You and Tony Robbins were the two people, passion, profit, and power. And, uh, the, uh, personal third, power. um, you know, personal, personal power. power. Yeah. Those were yeah. the, the two things that I were my staples. I listened to religiously. Good. Um, so, so thank you. And I love how these, you know, these things come full circle and the privilege to, to just be, you know, kind of supporting the mission with you to change the world is beyond me. Um, you know, Doug, I, I'm very grateful too. Um, the, it's funny to me because when I get an intro, I never know exactly how somebody's going to introduce me. And there is a bio floating around that is extremely old and it's the one you just gave. And I want to clar clarify one thing. I've been on stage this year, 51 years. I've been doing educational programs now for 35 years, and it's been a wild ride for me. I'm at my beach house. The, the crazy background you see behind me, the graffiti, is not the uh, result of current circumstances. It is, uh, <laughs> I'm inside my beach house theater, which is right on the ocean in Southern California, a little town called Carlsbad, North County, yep, San Diego. Carlsbad. Carlsbad. Yeah, Carlsbad is just gorgeous, beautiful little city. I own a 300-seat theater in the middle of the village. It's a live performance theater where we're, we put on shows. Uh, we put on a show called Kid Show. It's a magic show, an illusion show by kids. My kids, nine and, and seven. It, it's a big, grand-scale illusion show, though, to teach other kids that they don't have to wait until they're adults to have their own business. And we also put on a show called The Show of Certainty. And The Show of Certainty, as you know, as uh, I'm a hypnotist, the show of certainty is to introduce a technology that we've been working on for a long time called certainology. And certainology is the science of certainty. Ultimately, whether we get what we want or not is determined by the level of certainty with which we approach things. You know, if I'm single and I approach a woman, it's a level of certainty that I know I'm doing her a favor by being in her presence. If I'm in a business endeavor, it's the level of certainty that I possess that determines whether or not I'll get over those momentary bumps and get on to completion of whatever the project at hand was. So, you know, it's been very amazing to me to be in the current times that we're in. I, I know this show will, will stay on the internet for a long time, and I know that it will be viewed from time to time by people in different frames of reference. And to kind of keep things in perspective, as of today, this live program, obviously, we've had a lot of things going on. Uh, earlier in the year, we had COVID-19, the coronavirus uh, became an issue, in my opinion, became a strong piece of hypnosis and shut the entire economy down, not just in the United States, worldwide, also impacted a lot of people in very negative ways in that it caused people to not be able to leave their homes for weeks, even months at a time. And my opinion from the beginning was that it was overblown. I had the virus prior to when they started shutting things down. I had it for five days. I couldn't breathe. I, I couldn't walk up the three flights of stairs of my beach house without being massively winded after one flight of stairs. And I'm a really healthy guy. At night, I'd go to sleep and I'd wake up 10, 20 times throughout the night just attempting to clear my lungs. And my wife thought, shall we go to the hospital? I said, no, it's the flu. It's, it's, a, it's a cold. I'll get through it. And sure enough, I got through it. And then right after that, they started the conversations about this pandemic coming out of China. 
And I said, it's a flu bug. And it's not even as bad as most flu bugs. It's just a flu bug. Let it go. The challenge is, and again, I'm neither a Republican nor Democratic. I'm not even political at all. I'm a hypnotist. I view the world through very non-judgmental eyes. I see them, what I call objective reality. I see them for what they are scientifically. And then I notice what meanings people attach to those circumstances. And we are in an election year. And there is zero doubt that this entire thing was blown out of proportion because we're in an election year. And again, I don't, I don't need anybody's approval watching this show. I don't give a damn what they post in the comments beneath me. I could care less. I'm sitting at my beach house. And this is my second home. I'm with my beautiful bride who's 24 years younger than me. I've got three perfect children. I've made $250 million working part time. So I'm really not going to care whether somebody agrees with me or not. The reason I say this, though, is that if you want to get attacked, have an opinion. If you want to have a really good life, though, have an opinion. And whether your opinion is popular or not, be comfortable enough in your own skin that you don't need other people's approval. So once again, getting back to the topic at hand, my opinion is that all of this was done by an opposing party to derail an already amazing economy. There's not one person watching this right now who could argue that last February, beginning of March, we had an economy that was roaring. We had record numbers inside of the stock market. We had record low unemployment, record high in all areas across the board employment. We had the best economy we have seen in over 50 years in the United States. And all of that came crashing down overnight when people were able to promote through mainstream media, which is 100% controlled by a particular party, they were able to cause everything to crash overnight to show, oh my God, it's not going to work. I, we, were, we were coming out of this COVID-19 nonsense. We were coming out of this when suddenly this incident with, uh, with George Floyd came up. And again, regardless of what the actual circumstances are, and I'm not going to get into those details, there is no point ever where one person should inflict their person on another person, particularly to cause violence or death. And so that's not excusable. What's also not excusable, though, and I know this is not usually the nature of your show, but also, though, is not excusable are the reactions from that. Unfortunately, police officers kill people from time to time. It happens. And I happen to be a big fan of the boys in blue. I'm a big fan of service people. I'm a big fan of firefighters, EMTs, police officers, anybody that would put their own lives in harm's way to protect me. Do I think there are some bad apples? Yeah, they're human beings. It's impossible not to have bad apples. Do I think they should be held to a higher standard? Yes, they should be. At the same time, one person's bad action does not justify another person's bad action. And right now, we're seeing a lot of bad action going on. We're seeing rioting. We're seeing looting. We're seeing arson. And I, I still think that all of that is convoluted. I think it's orchestrated. I think it's massively planned. I think it's overwhelmingly organized and really strongly funded. It is not grassroots. It's not local communities alone. It might be partially. It's not local communities alone conducting these, these horrific attacks. Last night in Las Vegas, a police officer was murdered. Uh, another person was shot and injured that may end up dying. It's not acceptable. And again, as a public figure, as a fairly visible public figure, I put my reputation at stake to say, I believe that it is orchestrated. I believe it is a minuscule amount of people conducting these bad acts of rioting, of looting, of committing arson, of committing murder. Protesting, having an opinion, is not violent. It is having an opinion. Protest is a discussion. We're not seeing discussions. We're seeing violence.
Well, yeah, it's so true. I mean, the, the, when this whole thing started also being, you know, not to the level you've experienced or a level of, of hypnotism and NLP and all of that, I mind, you know, it's a little, little bit less, but I witnessed it the same way. Like this is like, this is transinducing. This is creating the same way when we hold events. What do we do? We hold really long events and create uh, an environment so that we can influence someone to change their lives for the better. But we do it in a way that is a controlled environment that we have a little more access to their other than conscious. Take a bunch of people, lock them up, isolate them, don't give them you know, resources, and continually bombard them with information that is nothing but leading someone down a path of fear and frustration. It's only going to go one of two ways, either pissed or shut down and give up. And there's no doubt. And, and mainstream media these days has an agenda. It's massively biased. And it, it really has an outcome. It has something, an end that they want. It's not news anymore. It used to right. be that it was legally required that news be fair and balanced. It was legally required with very heavy consequence. If it wasn't, that it be vetted, that it actually be the truth. And it's not anymore. It's pure hypnosis. It's pure manipulation. It's pure uh, someone, some entity, some powers wanting you to respond in a specific way that I promise you is not for your good. It is not for your good. It's for their good. And that is and again, the, I'm not angry. I, yeah, I'm not angry. I love my life. Right, right. But I'm saying country. for the people who like are, I mean, I experienced it too where I, you know, I'm not jumping out and screaming stuff, but I'm like, hey, can we look at things a little differently? Can I just ask a question? You know, what, you know, the only way I've survived my life is by the process of asking better questions. So, when I would just say something doesn't seem a whole lot, this doesn't make sense. You know, right. we actually I was playing racquetball the other day, right when the first day in Florida, when they shut it down, we had to play outside because they closed the gym. And a woman at the HOA, we have an outdoor court or the court I was at, the woman of the HOA of the area comes over and screams at us because we're playing, we were playing. And she's right. like, you're going to give me COVID. And we're like, what? Where did the critical thinking go here? We're and, and by the way, why did you come over here? Because now we can. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> it, and we understand that when people are in these intense states, they're not thinking clearly. Sure. But I, you know, right. I actually see this also as addiction, right? Because people get addicted to the drama, to the chaos, to the news. It's called, it's called motion junkiness. Human beings are motion junkies. And when the human condition is such that they cannot create their own motion of uplift, what they do is they tend to crash their lives. Mm. And they crash their lives because they don't think it can be any better. And by crashing it, then they have an opportunity to grow it again. You know, I, I'm here in Carlsbad and I've been watching the news and I've been watching a lot of the protests and the riots. And usually it starts off as a protest and ends up as a riot. And what's fascinating to me as you can see a very distinct shift in the actual bodies, people that are at these events. While the protest is going on, while the conversation is occurring, it's one group of people. And they're well-mannered, and they speak well, and they're kind, and they're, they're having an actual conversation. And then it looks like an invasion. It looks like a swarm of people coming in. And unfortunately, a lot of these people are younger people. They're, they're in their, their 
early 20s is what it looks like to me. And they just seem just angry. It's not like they're looking for change. It's that they're looking for trouble. They're looking for motion. They're looking for a fight. I'm watching these windows getting smashed in. And I have seen more car windows, more, more, more store windows smashed in by the end of a skateboard than any other object I've seen. And again, I don't fault anybody that rides skateboards. I used to ride skateboards when I was younger. What I'm, the point in all this is, is if that's the, the people that are doing this, I promise you, if my kid at 20 years old was smashing through windows because they were angry, not at the person whose window they were smashing through, they were angry at some other person some 2,000 miles away that had already been arrested and already been charged, and I saw my kid smashing in a window, I don't care if my kid's 20 years old, I'd grab him by the ear, I'd pull him back home, I'd lock him in my room. Right. And say, you are not leaving this room until you have a plan to pay that poor businessman back for the damage you did to their business and the damage you did to their property. How are you going to take care of it? And I think, again, that's what's missing is so many people are afraid to have an opinion. I, I'd be fascinated to see what the remarks are, you know, on this conversation on yeah. Facebook or whatever social media you put it on. I know the majority of people feel like we do. The majority of people, in my own belief, again, if you are a cop that goes over the line and hurts somebody or is too rough or kills somebody, you are guilty and you should be treated, treated accordingly. In fact, you should be held to a higher standard because you took that position. 100%. If you are a common citizen and you go smash somebody's window, you go loot somebody's store, you go destroy their lives, you should be held accountable. And I think that's the biggest thing that people are afraid to do is hold themselves accountable. They want to point, they want to blame, and they just want to right. make the, they want to be victims rather than victors. Well, because it's easier, right? It's easier to yes. join a, co a coalition of victims. And, and I'm not, look, I, I understand the pain and I understand the frustration that the, you know, the, and I guess I don't even, I didn't even at first see it as a race thing because I didn't know the guy's history. So it's like I saw one guy kill another guy, totally uncool like that guy's got to pay and let's talk about that around let's, watching let's, it let's, let's talk about that there are more white people per volume number of white people there are more white people on an annual basis killed than black people than hispanics than asians that said there are more white people in the united states than there are black people or hispanics or asians that's a fact except we can't escape that that white people get killed by cops Black people get killed by cops. Asians, Latinos get killed by cops. People get killed by people. It's a fact. My well, own opinion is people that continually raise the, raise the issue of race are racists. There's no difference. You don't have to tell me the man was black. He got killed by a cop for me to feel enraged. He got killed by a cop. Was it righteous? Should he have died? I've watched the video. If, if what I'm watching is real, and I question even what I'm watching as being real. If what I'm watching is real, though, no, that man never should have died. He should have been in the back of a cop car one minute into it. He yeah, I didn't get like, Exactly. It was disgusting. Like, like, why would anyone be, like, what was the even purpose of that? But um, then when I look at, when I watch this all happening, I, and I see the people who benefit from it, it's the news agencies because they have something to, to, to basically broadcast and have people tune yep. in it yep. has all of the, the that fodder going on and i feel like the only people who are really suffering are the average person who are yep. either being you know impacted on either side but it gets so machiavellian like you know keep us divided so that we can't and i and i'm i'm, I'm not trying to i'm not diminishing i there's no way i could understand 
the Black Lives Movement or what they go through. And I never ex really experienced it to a huge degree. So I, I mean, I was abused by like, I was the metalhead, the dirtbag, the whatever, but it's all relative. It's it, it just, I, I can't understand it. And then when I see it, and since I don't feel that way, then I go, I, I just see people everywhere in pain. Yes, I have been jumped three times in my life. I have been jumped and I have been beat up three times in my life. Uh, once when I was 17, once when I was 20, and later in my late 20s. And all three circumstances, I was jumped by black men. I don't hate black men. I've got black friends. I, 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 I don't see the color thing. I was jumped by two guys when I was 17. I was jumped by two other guys when I was 20. I was beat up in a parking lot and robbed you know, in my late 20s. My house was broken into by a black man um, in fairly recent times, one of my homes. I don't see it as a black man, a person. That guy broke into my home. Those people beat me up in a parking lot. The fact that they were black was incidental. It didn't mean anything. And that's what we've got to get to. The fact that a cop hurt somebody. No, a cop didn't hurt somebody. That guy hurt somebody. And so when we can stop generalizing people, when we can stop taking a look at the world and saying, okay, cops are evil. Freak that. Cops are good. They put themselves in harm's way. They dodge bullets. They walk up to give somebody a speeding ticket. They don't know whether they're going to die and not see their family that night. I have the highest respect for that. I have the highest respect for anybody. You know, my head won't grow hair. Because of that, there are certain judgments people have of me. When I was young, we were dirt poor. We were the poorest family in our neighborhood, in our, in our entire community. And there was a lot that came with being that poor. There was a lot of judgment. Smart people, though. Don't lay down and let that define them. Smart people say, no. Yeah, I may have been the poorest person in my neighborhood, in my entire county for that matter, except look at me now. I'm not going to play victim. I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to whine. I'm going to use it to my advantage, and I'm going to say, aha. You know, you, you take a look at a lot of the highly successful people of other ethnicities other than, you know, Anglo-Saxon, other than white and there's so many people in sports, in entertainment, in politics, in, in every area of anything in the world, there's zero limitation. And so to keep coming back to that distinction for anybody, that's where racism lives. Racism lives in people who have to continually talk about it. No, I refuse to be defined by any of those things. Please let me be defined by my fruits. Let me be defined by my contributions. Let me be defined by the things that I can get done without paying attention to how anybody else judges me. And when I stop worrying about what other people are thinking about me, guess what? I'll stop judging them too. Yeah. And so that element of personal responsibility, I feel like has been missing from, and, and it transcends race. This isn't a race thing. It's not. Our mission is to help people take control of their lives, to add value, to create energy that is uplifting, that is positive, that is all that. And that's where the resistance is. I mean, it's so crazy. You've seen it. In order to hire, well, someone like, you know, you, someone like me, there, it requires funding. It requires money to come to an event, to do all of that. And you've seen people, they'd rather spend, get, buy a big screen TV to watch the crap news than invest in themselves to then better themselves, to then help other people and all of that. And, and that's where certainty comes in. That's right. where certainty comes in. They don't know. You know, I have 10 siblings. And like I said, we were dirt poor growing up. This is my beach house. This is my, my vacation home. My main residence is in Las Vegas, 17,000 square feet. 
we fly back and forth between the properties in a private jet. I travel all over the world in private jets. Uh, my family does what they want to do when they want to do it. I've got three perfect children that were born at home via hypnosis in the bathtub, no drugs, no pain, no doctors. My beautiful bride, like I said, is 24 years younger than me, which clearly makes me a really good hypnotist. And the uh, thing that I know is that I designed my life. I decided how do I want my life to be? And then rather than saying, gosh, sure hope I can, I said, no, it's done. I'm going to begin with the end in mind. How do I create target-rich environments? Now, one thing I know for sure, I saw a black man, Just the, I want to say that he was black just for the sake of the conversation, whose, whose business, he was a retired firefighter, and he had a bar in Minneapolis, and they destroyed it. They, they burned it to the ground. And I'm thinking, how in the world is this getting any kind of justice for the poor man that died? How is this helping anybody? It's not making any point other than the people that burned it down and robbed him of all of his liquor are criminals. I think that given the choice between doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing, I think most people would do the right thing. The challenge is often the right thing is harder. And so they rather just do the easy thing, which is go loot, go steal, go buy the big screen TV, sit down and, you know, space out for the weekend. And I got to tell you, if you'd be willing to do the right thing for an extended period of time, everything becomes the easy thing. And that's the only thing I want to keep telling people is that if you do the work now, as you sow, so shall you reap. What you plant grows. And if you'll do the hard work now, everything gets easier. You know, I, I, my heart aches for other people in these times. You know, obviously, I, my, my wife and I, my family, we are well-to-do. We're at our beach house, for God's sake. Um, our other home, you know, 17,000 square feet. We have plenty of stockpile. I've got uh, six months of survival food in both locations. We've got plenty of non-survival food and water stocked in both locations just for these circumstances. We're able to weather not working for a couple of months, three months, six months. We're able to weather that. The majority of the population cannot. And my heart aches. And that's the reason, you know, I've been to the point of, of people beating me up online and being massively, you know, bad-mouthing me and abusing me online when I say, I tell you what, if you don't want to leave your house, you stay home. Everybody else that wants to leave and wants to risk, frankly, because they probably have to, let them go, let them risk. They're not killing you. They're being responsible for their own lives. You be responsible for yours. We'll all do fine. It's to the point, you know, even like with what's going on with the rioting and all the unrest. Again, I'm a, I'm a card-carrying uh, Second Amendment member, and I believe that you need to be able to protect yourself. And I was chatting with somebody about the Second Amendment, and they said, no, that's to protect you from the government. I said, no, that's to protect you from anybody that would do you harm. And they should have the same right. And if we all know we're equal, if the guy that I saw beating up this 64-year-old woman with a two-by-four knew that she was his size, his strength, and she had a two-by-four in her hand too, he never would have whacked her. He never would have hit her. Yeah. And, and again, it just comes down to that thing that my heart aches. I love people, all people. And I come from a place of believing that there is enough for all of us. And when we get along, when we refuse to let mainstream media, the powers that be, the deep state, there I've said it, when we refuse to let the people that would manipulate our brains cause us division, cause us to think of each other as enemies, we'll all get along. And we won't allow them to create this with us. All of us collectively, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, we'll all come together. We'll go not after cops in general, not after the government in general. We'll go after the guy in general. And we'll say, no, that guy needs to be brought to justice. That guy needs to face up to his actions. That's all.
because all the rest of it is just contrived. All the rest of it is hypnosis. So how do we, like, cause I mean, I have this conversation with, with Heidi, my wife, and, and just like I, I posted the other day, like what question may, you know, what questions could we be asking right now that would lead us to answers that would cause some healing? And, you know, there, there was some, you know, interesting responses like, you know, now's not the time or whatever. And I'm like, well, how will we know it is the time? How, like, how do you measure even what you want? And then how do we interrupt the patterns right now? Because that's, it feels like an out of control party right now. It is like, an out of control party. It, and part of it is, is same people saying this is out of control and unacceptable. That's where it starts. It, yeah. It's us having this conversation, me, you, anybody that is willing to put their reputation uh, and I don't even mean that their brand is probably more appropriate to put their ability to earn a living at risk by saying the truth. There's people watching this, I guarantee you, that might have been my customers, that might have come to my seminars, that might have read my books or bought my tapes or invested money that my kids could have utilized to have a dinner that won't buy from me now. I get that. I understand that. Except I refuse to hide my truth under a bushel. I'd rather they knew who I was and didn't like me than like me for somebody I was not. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when enough of us can have this conversation again, I was beat up three separate times, jumped three separate times in public. I have two scars on the back of my head where the first time when I was 17, they broke a broomstick over my head twice, knocked me unconscious twice. And it was three black guys in a jack-in-the-box here in San Diego. I don't hate, hate black people. I don't dislike them at all. I don't, I don't even equate, like I said earlier, that experience or the other two experiences to a race, I equate it to the three guys that jumped me. That's all. And so that's the first thing we've got to do is we've got to stop being global. What's global? All people or all cops or all blacks or all whites. We've got to stop being global. First thing we've got to do is be specific. No, that guy, those guys, that well, person. And that comes to like that conversation of celebrating individuality and acceptance like it's not it, we're not in a competition it's like we're we're human beings together and i know like I, I don't want it to sound like you know spiritually hijacking the conversation and and like taking a, a turn to go like elevate because it's it's a genuine kind of thing like well how how do we create the equality that all that we're looking for if we don't accept that we're already different and we can't be identical. We're not drones. We're not wearing, you know, the same uniform. We all need to celebrate our uniqueness. I uh, had to go from my beach house to my theater in the middle of the village today, not this theater in the house, to my 300 seat theater. And in route, I pulled up to a stoplight and there was a cop car beside me. And I motioned for him to roll the window down. And I said, I wanted to tell you, thank you for doing your job. I am grateful. I'm on your side. And he said, wow, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Yeah. And he was genuine about it. And he rolled the window up. And I'm driving along, and I come up to another stoplight, and there is a black couple standing on the corner getting ready to cross the street. And I rolled down the window on the passenger side where my son was seated, and I leaned out, and I said, I want you to know I'm on your side. I appreciate you. We're in this together. Yeah. And I rolled the window back up, and my son looked at me. He said, whose side are you on? It sounded like you told them both you were on their sides. I said, I am, son. Yeah. I'm on everybody's side. And I pray they're on mine too. And so I think that, again, it's the ability to not, not see the distinction. That's why I think anybody that continually brings up race, and again, somebody that, that's stuck in that mindset and that conversation is go, you don't know what it feels like to be in my position. 
you're right, I don't. You don't know what it feels like to be in my position either. We don't know each other fully. I get that. I surrender to that. The fact of the matter is, the more you point out the distinction, the more I'll see it. And I don't want to see it. I'd rather I just saw you as another human being. And I, we've got to keep coming back to that conversation. And the challenge with that, though, is that doesn't allow people that seek to be victims their victimhood. You know, the people that are unwilling to do the work. Uh, I earned this. Nobody handed me my beach house. Nobody handed me my Rolls Royce or my private jet or the fact that, yes, I can survive for many months in, in the most horrible of circumstances that, unfortunately and heartbreakingly, other people are being devastated by. I get all that. Except I did the hard work during the hard times so that during the hard times that continued, it would be easier for me. And so, well, again, I'm not tooting my horn or being arrogant about it. What I'm seeking to do is inspire other people to say, okay, how do I never let this happen to me again? How do I never end up in this circumstance again? I think some people go out at night, you know, during these times, and their intention is to wreak havoc. Their intention is to get a free pay, free pair of Michael Jordans or, you know, break some glass or start a fire or maybe even kill somebody. There are people like that. I believe the vast majority of people, though, go out with good intentions. I'm going to voice my opinion. I pray that we're finally heard. I pray that cops pay more attention or whatever, and that some things just escalate and they find themselves in a bad place. And so the other thing that I would say is pay attention to what your small steps are doing. Pay attention to what your little actions are progressing toward. And if they're not setting you up for something even better, take another look at them and maybe take a small step in the other direction. Yes, thank you. I mean, I, and that's the thing. I wish people would do more of that, more critical thinking on how their actions are going to impact the ecology. How is it going to impact their their soul, their spirit even? And is it doing something like, the, again, it looks like addiction to me. And, and my wife also, you know, sees it as like being in an abused family and that there's abuse coming and it's like perpetuating itself. And again, I, I see it more like right now, the there are people who are benefiting and they're triangulating and pitting the kids against each other so that they can go off and whatever they're doing and, and not to go down because who knows, but they're not suffering the way the average no. person is right now. They're in fact, so let's go from it. Yeah, yeah. Let's go a little deeper down the rabbit holes on that topic. They're benefiting from it. All the politicians that, that, massively promoted, stay at home, you know, social distance, wear a mask, all of them during that time. And they said, no, you can't open your business. Every single one of these people got a paycheck. Every single one of these people benefited during those times. They advanced. The Nancy Pelosi's of the world and the people that were pushing for things inside of an assistance bill that had zero to do with the current circumstance, whether it was funding the Kennedy, you know, uh, entertainment's music center, whether it was any number of things they benefit, and I guarantee you there's slush funds that they're personally benefiting from. I would agree. Here's the one thing that we can do to help combat all of that. We can get along because you cannot control a certain person. A certain person says no matter how much they're insulted, no matter how much you attack them, no matter how many times you slap them on the cheek, they turn the other cheek, they say, ultimately, you can't hurt me. Ultimately, you have no power here. Ultimately, I am certain of the truth, and I refuse to fall into your hypnosis and believe that this world is limited. 
even though this is not where I would have it be right now, ultimately everything is going to turn out just fine. And my black neighbor and my Asian neighbor and my Latino neighbor, we all get along. We all love each other. We all have each other's backs. No matter what you say to try to divide us, we are not dividing. In fact, we're uniting against you. And when we come together as people that would not be divided by those that would divide us, and I'm talking about not everybody, just like not all cops are bad. In fact, the majority are really good. The majority of politicians are bad. The majority of politicians are corrupt. Yeah, my, my, uh, my grandfather had the, uh, the old saying, which I'm, heard, I'm sure you've heard, uh, politicians are like diapers. They should be changed and often for the same reason. And yes. the, the challenge is, is I believe that all, I mean, term limits should be in place always. Then, Absolutely. Yeah, they're going to be, any lawmaking, any guidelines, any regulations, they're going to have to actually live when they leave so they'd actually be more interested in the average person's experience of life rather than their illusion. Because I think, you know, like, I think there are a lot of people who get into politics with a good heart, that they want to make a difference, they want to, and the system itself is corruptive because then they go, the only way you can stay in power to make a difference is to, well, you got to do a little bit of this. You got to eat your first pizza out of the dumpster. You got to eat your, you know, and then the next thing you know, it becomes their new normal. They know it exists because they've gone down a different path. And this is not partisan. This is all right. politicians. I agree. And I, I, I don't agree with the last one. And I, and I said this, I said, most cops are good. Across the board, I, I know too yeah. many police officers to not believe most of them are good. Are some bad? Absolutely. Yeah. Most people are good. That exception said, my experience has been, because I've also consulted, interacted with, and been friends with many politicians, most politicians are corrupt. And Doug, you're a thousand percent correct. It's the system. It rewards, massively rewards co corruption. And it's one of the few areas that it blatantly massively rewards corruption. And so you've got certain people. You've got the... Uh, without naming specific people, because no matter who I name, they're going to say, oh, that person's corrupt. And you've got certain people who are clearly in integrity, clearly working in our benefit, clearly thinking out for the common person. And they end up getting the short end of the stick from the majority of people. Why? Because they don't want them to be there. They don't want the corruption exposed. You know, this week, while all of the, uh, the riots are going on, a lot of people don't realize there's some very important court cases being heard. There's some very important things being uncovered during this week that's not on mainstream media. I have a, an actual, I have a belief that one of the reasons we're going through all of, all of this drama right now is to be sure that stuff doesn't see the light of day. We've got some very important court cases uh, regarding some very high-level people inside of the government that are happening right now that will reveal the truth, and the truth will set us free. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I'm hoping for is that we all can come to a place to go, you know what, maybe I was wrong. And then That's a smart okay. person. That's a smart person that can say, number one, I don't know, maybe I was wrong, and that's okay. Only an idiot holds on to an opinion after they realize they were mistaken. Right. And what I see so many times is people doubling down instead of going, well, let me see your side. Hold on. Let me, before I double down on this, because, and, and like, I, you know, full disclosure as well, I'm a, I, I don't belong to the NRA, but I, I had a permit in New York and now in Florida. And I don't believe that the NRA is sitting on the sidelines going, you know, it'd be great 
if we could arm people so they could kill each other. Like they're not thinking that. They have their belief that that is a way that we can protect ourselves. Now, by the same token, not politicians, but the average person who's anti-gun, I don't believe they're thinking, you know, it'd be great if we could make sure that the people who carry guns don't have them so we could control them. They're saying, I don't want to get shot. <clears throat> We're right. the, so we both want the same thing, safety. We, di- we disagree yes. maybe on how we achieve that, but we got to start with what we want and be on reasonably the same page. We both want to survive. We both want to be happy, healthy, and so forth. We could disagree on how we get there, just like yes. not everybody wants to go into personal development to make a living. That doesn't make either of us wrong to do it. It's just our no. choice. It's the metaphor that I mentioned earlier. I watched the video during the riots of a mid-60-year-old, fairly uh, slight woman, very, very petite woman, and uh, three thugs in masks were beating up her husband with a two-by-four. And she was doing her best to try to stop them. And you know, again, what can she do? She, she's five foot. They're six foot two. She weighs you know, 90 pounds, dripping wet. They weigh 280 pounds with a two-by-four. And they're going after the husband, and she's just trying to get them to stop. And finally, they've had enough, and they take it on her. If she had been 260 pounds, if she had been six foot two, and she'd had a two by four in her hand, they would have hesitated to come after her because things were equal. And that's the thing for me is just, again, when we, if things aren't equal, yet we can view each other as equal and say to, to, to ourselves, you know what? I wouldn't want somebody beating me with a two by four. Therefore, I'm not going to beat anybody with a two by four. And healthy people say that without having to say that. We, we believe that that's in our soul and in our DNA. Golden unfortunately, there is unfortunately a portion of the population in the world, in the universe for that matter, that they want to take advantage. They want to have an upper hand. They want people to be defenseless. They want to be able to catch people in the shadows, in the alleys. And you've got to be vigilant. And at the same time, though, we have to fight for the fact and understanding that the only people, I love cameras. I think every single cop on the planet should have a camera. I think every single public space should have a camera. And the only reason I'm okay with that, I don't do anything wrong. The only people who don't like cameras are people that do things wrong. If you come to my homes, Every single one of my properties, there's a camera in just about every room. So if you bring the wife, make sure you angle it properly because we resell those videos. Okay, good. Um, and, right. and, but, but just do so we get, you know. Do we rev share? Oh, God, no. No, no. Oh, that, oh. That, don't be crazy. It's my house, my camera. Right. The, uh, the, the thing, the thing that, that, again, I, I tell people, though, if you don't want somebody to know what you're doing, maybe you shouldn't be doing that thing. And, and if, it, if everybody were held personally responsible for all of their actions, the world would be a better place. And I'm willing to be responsible. Do I muck it up more than most? Have I made mistakes? Do I have regrets? I do. And at the same time, though, I rehearse my life. I review my life. I revise my life so that I can get better and better each step of the way. My wife that I'm married to, I was married twice before I met my one true wife. And I'm glad that I was because my first two marriages – the, the, the distinctions in them help me to realize what a healthy marriage can look like and what it's supposed to be. My bride, we've been together for almost 14 years now, and I, she's perfect. She is a goddess. She is the most amazing human being I've ever known, the best decision I have ever made. My three children, they are, they're perfect too. And again, I, I, I know it's kind of sappy, except I wouldn't have raised the children that I've raised in my early 20s. I wouldn't have known. I know now. And so the key for anybody that's watching this video, the key for any of us living right now, 
is let's get better. As a society, let's get better. You know, as a planet, let's get better. And right now, we are not getting better by allowing people to do what they're doing. Yes, policemen, politicians, hypnotists, DJs, seminar leaders, you name it. We should all be held accountable. The challenge is you don't hold somebody accountable by committing a greater crime. And that's what's happening is more and more crimes are going on. I don't think the officer leaned on, on uh, George's neck and said, I'm going to kill him right now. I don't think that was the case. I think he went too far. And, and, and in his head, he thought, you know, I'm just going to subdue him. And then what happened happened. These people that are going out to loot, these people that are going out to set fires, these people that are robbing, these people that are killing, that's their intention. They're doing it intentionally. That's the distinction. And in my mind, those crimes are worse. Well, yeah, it, it, and it makes me think of almost like when you talk about your children, like if we were to look at this as a relationship and as that, it, it's almost like watching, because I, I know I was not the best kid that maybe when I was 17 or 16, I was pissed off. I was an angry young man. Thanks, Billy Joel. And maybe, yes, maybe I would have been you just aged yourself. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, it's funny when I, I met Billy, uh, years when I, I, my first career in the music industry, he came to the studio, Richie Canada, it was a sax player yep. with Richie and he owned the studio and he comes in and we, he meet, meets me and blah, blah, blah. And Doug, D-U-G. He's like, if my name was Doug, I'd spell it like that too. <laughs> That's cool. I don't know if you're just, you know, being nice, but, um, I, I just, I feel like, man, it's, it's almost like a little bit like a maturity thing. Like, is it, is it just that we're, we're got, we've gotten so used to, like, we, like we have a bunch of, um, uh, what's your name from, uh, oh, okay. drawing the name from um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Uh, what yes. Was, what was her name? The one who got everything she wanted? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so It'll like she got, yeah, she gets what she wants when she, I want it now, right? A Veruca Salt. And it's like we've yes. been so conditioned to getting what we want when we want it that we don't like feel like the, like there's a conditioning going on a trance that well I don't if I want to make a phone call I make it I don't have to drive get out of my car find a payphone or any of those kinds of things I can just turn on the TV there, there's no delayed gratification which again looks like addiction and it looks like a toddler and I'm not. Right. I'm not minimizing and, and calling anybody toddlers right now. I'm just looking at it going, well, okay, let, let me call them toddlers. Then. Okay. <laughs> let me call, let me call them immature. Let me call them spoiled brats. Cause that is what's going on. My children, you know, we're, we're wealthy and I tell my kids no a lot and I tell them no a lot for their own health. And, and I'll tell them, no, if they're misbehaving even slightly, I'll say no. And if, they, if they throw a bigger fit, I'll say uh, no next week too then. No, the following week too. No, for a while until you can figure out how to accept no and still be charming. So, and uh, yeah, yeah. What's so interesting is that we have this cognitive and emotional dissonance happening, where I think the average person, the smart person, even people who are in doing that, would agree with what you just said in how they handle maybe their children. But then when they pull it out and go, okay, well now let's look at it more macroly and how that shows up. Go, no, well, I never do that. In, in this situation, well, but how is it different? It's a normal cause and effect conversation. If you yes. do this, then you do that. You know that if you do this and you don't, and this will happen and you don't 
execute what you say. Like if you say, oh, no, no TV next week or no whatever next week, right. and then you give it to them next week, now they know, oh, all right, that Dude, rule man. doesn't apply. Right. No, it, it, it's, be, it's consistency and predictability. And again, our, our president is talking about uh, bringing in the military, you know, that the uh, National Guard doesn't seem to be effective in stopping the riots and stopping what's going on, the looting and the arson. And he's been talking about bringing in the military and he's gotten a lot of pushback from people. Oh my God, you know, it's a military state and how could you do that? Um, given the choice between arson and looting and murder and having to worry whether or not the alarm that just went off is somebody actually breaking into my home and I need to grab my gun to protect my family and knowing there's a military presence that is keeping everybody behaved. You know, during the time of the lockdown, we didn't have any Antifa. We didn't have any civil unrest, none. Everybody was in their homes and everybody was behaving. If somebody asks me, which would you choose, the rioting, the looting, the arson and the murders, or stay home, I'll stay home. I'll just stay home. Now, of course, I don't want that to be the choice either. I want to get back to our life as we know it and as it's, as it's supposed to be. And it will return. You know, some people are going to say, they call it the new norm. I call BS on that. No, there's no new norm. Do we evolve? Yes. Will I still go out with my family? Yes. Will we still be able to swim in the ocean and play and have freedom and not have to look over our shoulder? Yes. The challenge is, is that most people do not, do not take responsibility for what's going on in their world and therefore they'll never get what they want and unfortunately they hang out with others who think the same so yeah. you know and that's another thing which I, I found very interesting on social media as an example when people will say like you know f this person f that person and if you don't agree with me or you support that person defriend me or i'll defriend you and i'm like well now you're creating a bubble now you you're not even gonna have an opportunity to see another point of view, which then it, it, yes. we were coming, it's it becoming tribal. Like now it's like, we, now we're having to pick like size, like Lord of the flies. Like wh why are we having to, it, we're, I thought we were beyond that. I thought we were like, you know, we talk about being woke yet here we are, you know, having the opposite. Yeah. And it's, it's, I guess the, the emotional, the spiritual, the logical dissonance to me is very frustrating because it's, and again, that's why it looks like addiction. When someone is active, yes. they're yes. not thinking, right? They're right. getting all the dopamine from doing all the craziness or getting a rush and it's, they're high. Yeah, it's, it comes back again to what I mentioned before. I'm in the middle of a conversation with you. We disagree. We're both adamant. It starts to get a little bit heated. And then all of a sudden you say something that I know is true. Most people would hold their side of the argument, even when they realized they were wrong, a little longer just to test it, just to validate. Me, the moment you say something and it occurs to me, you know what, I may be mistaken or I may be out of line, I'd go, you know what, Doug, forgive me. You're right. No, I'm wrong. You're right. Uh, uh, I will be in a, a circumstance with my kids, my wife for that matter, my staff for that matter, and I'll realize that I misjudged the circumstance. I overreacted or I, fall, I, I wrongly reacted. And the moment I realize I did, I don't wait till tomorrow. I don't wait till things cool down. If I yell at my child or, or I reprimand my kid and I realize that I didn't see things the way they were supposed to be, I immediately say, forgive me. I was wrong. I didn't view this right. I never should have said that to you. I never should have seen the world that way. Please forgive me. And I ask them to forgive me to put the power back in their hand. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have ego attached to being right. I'd rather be happy than right. I'd rather be rich than right. And I think that's what's going on right now is you've got so many people that are broke financially, emotionally, spiritually. They're so broke. They just want some place in their world that they can find other people near them that will agree with them, that are also broke, that are also you know frightened, that are also angry by choice, that they can identify, they can have that community. And I got to tell you, there is a community of angry, broke people that go out and loot buildings at night and start fires and hurt innocent people. It's a small number of people, number one. It's a small, very small community. There's also a more loving community that won't break into your business, that won't loot your home, that you don't have to worry about killing you because if the person you're hanging out with would kill the other person, they'll kill you too one day, given the circumstance. And that community is not as easy to get into because that community requires trustworthiness. That community requires that you contribute something to it. That community requires and expects you to measure up because not expecting you to measure up is an insult and bad for you. Except I promise you in the long run, that community is better. It's the same thing I explain to my my kids all the time. I realize you may not like me right now and I'm cool with that. I promise you I love you. Here's the reason I'm doing this. And in the end, when you realize I had your best interests at heart, you'll love me too. And I'm okay to wait till that time happens. I Dude, I think that about my dad too. I grow up and we did not get along at all. And I, I look back and I, and I told him like, look, I wish I listened to some of the stuff you told me because you were spot on. You know, not everything. And, I, and maybe it was delivery and maybe it was all that. And it was because I was a teenager and that's what teenagers do. And, you know, the, the thing that, like you shared earlier, the, the idea if we could just come from a place of assuming the best of somebody and then also asking, what do I want to experience right now? What do I want to feel? If I don't like how I'm feeling, you know, what you shared earlier, and I know it's what you teach is what I teach is, is the, what meaning am I giving this situation right now that makes me feel so negative, so angry, so sad, so whatever. And what am I believing in order to feel this way? And then question it. Just simply question it. Is that, is that really the way it is? Beautiful. And I think that, you know, obviously we're, we're sooner or later coming to the conclusion of this conversation. Yeah. And I, and I want to kind of put some things in perspective. When, when COVID happens, everything happens for a reason and it serves us. We've got to come from that point of view. And right. so when COVID happened, I'm in the live events business. I own a theater. We do entertainment products. I do live seminars all over the world. And when I was told you can't hold live events right now, I said, okay, what do I do? And I, I stopped and I said, all right, I'm going to do some private consultations. And I took on a number, and I still have a couple of slots open, private consultation clients where I'm conversing, co- uh, consulting with them remotely and changing their lives, helping them do the same thing, make sure that they can operate their businesses remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I pivoted a bit. I reinvented a bit. I changed myself up a bit. We've got to be willing to do that. One of the other things that came from that, though, is I said, I never want to be in this position again. So I am also training consultants. I'm training trainers. Uh, I have a, a very large database. I've got a big brand. I have way more people that ask me to coach them and consult them personally than I could ever handle myself. And so I'm now giving clients to the people that I'm coaching and training and assisting and being you know, business coaches and development coaches. So that's a great thing. So out of COVID came a reinvention by me that helps me not only create massive passive income for me, also helps me to passively assist people that I could never have helped before. Number one. Next, this, this, this thing came up with uh, George Floyd. 
and all the, you know, all of the riots and all of the things that are happening here. Well, number one, COVID simply vanished. The uh, fact that we had to wear masks, gone, apparently. The fact that we have to be more than six feet away from each other, gone. Social distancing, gone. They can't go back and argue that anymore. Not after this period of time where all the rioting and all the assimilation of, of bodies has occurred. They can't tell us that oh, if you assimilate, you're going to die because we're not dying. It's not going to happen. We realize that whole story is out the door. It was malarkey to begin with. It's gone. So on the other side of this thing that's going on, the looting and the rioting, and the, on the good side, protesting, what's the good stuff from this? Number one, we are once again woken up to the fact that we are in this together. Mm. We must focus on us together. And what that means is I, no matter what my opinion is, can't burn down my neighbor's house or business. I can't loot their place. I cannot do things that would set them back because it's in my neighborhood. It's only going to devalue my home. It's only going to make my life more miserable and more likely make my neighbor want to come do the same thing back to me. And so in the midst of all this, I believe we as a country and we as a greater planet, we as a greater universe, will have to once again look at each other. You know, it's kind of like two countries that go to battle and they battle and they battle and they battle till they run out of resource. And then they finally just say, you know what, let's just shake hands and get along. Yeah. My God, what would have happened had you shook hands and gotten along when your countries were flourishing? How much better would it have been then? And so I think that that is what I want to come out of this is I want people to have this conversation, to not have a, a conversation about racism, have a conversation about connectedness, have a conversation about uh, about uh, strategic alliances. You know, how do we get along? I, I don't care whether your head grows hair and my head does not. I don't care whether, you know, this person over here has boobs and I do not. I don't care whether this person is tall and I'm short. It doesn't matter. We're in this together. You know, you watch the Star Wars movies or the Harry Potter movies and you see all these different types of beings and they're all getting along and they're all just accepting of the fact that there are different types of creatures in our world. There are different types of creatures in our world and we can all get along. We all have gifts. We all need to focus on the goodness. At the same time, whether it's Star Wars or whether it's Harry Potter, there is a distinction between good and evil. And that is the only thing I think people should make a distinction about. They should make a distinction about, is this person operating with my best interests at heart? Are they operating with our best interests at heart, meaning both theirs and mine? Or are they purely selfish? Do, are they sociopathic? Do they not give a damn about me? Could they care less whether I starve in my home for two months and then my home is broken into and I've got to you know, try to protect the business that was already about to fail? Those people don't care about you. You are not obligated to care about people who don't care about you. You are not obligated to protect people who would not protect you. There's a book by a woman named Ayn Rand, mm -hmm. and she wrote both Atlas Shrugged and she wrote The Fountainhead. She wrote a book that a lot of people haven't read or don't know about. It's called The Virtues of Selfishness. And what the book boils down to is one, one thought, and it's the idea when you're flying commercially where the flight attendant gets up and says, uh, folks, we're about to take off in the event of a loss of cabin pressure. Oxygen masks will drop down from the ceiling. Please place your mask on first, then assist the person beside you. Well, you've got to put your mask on first because if you don't and you attempt to help the person flailing beside you, if you don't get their mask on in time, you both will run out of oxygen and you'll both die. So even though they're flailing, it won't do you any good to help them. You've got to help yourself. It's not bad. It's not selfish. It is self-preservation and self-preservation. Preservation is a good thing. So right now, if you're watching this, preserve yourself. Be diligent.
be very, very vigilant. Uh, make sure you're looking around you. Make sure you're paying attention to what's happening. You know, if you live in a place where you are allowed to bear arms, bear arms. If you live in a place where you are not allowed to bear arms, you should move. Um, make sure that you can, if you have, you have if you can, uh, a storehouse of water in particular. Water is the most valuable asset on the planet. Make sure you have some food stuff stored aside. Make sure you have an exit plan. If you know somebody could potentially break into your house, what is the streamline to get out of your house through another exit? Do your kids know how to get out? Do your family know how to get out? Does your family know how to get out? Do you have flashlights? Because cowards usually operate in the darkness. Do you have flashlights nearby so that you're able to maneuver and get around? Or do you have clothes that you can put on? If you happen to sleep naked or in minimal amount of clothing, can you throw something on? Um, if you are in business, can you figure out ways to create massive passive income? Can you figure out alternative income streams? Can you figure out how to create relationships with people that could assist you, that would assist you, that you've assisted in the past, that, that have your back as much as you have their back? Because when you start planting all of these seeds at once, you start living in a place of certainty rather than a place of doubt. Certainty comes from love. Doubt comes from fear. Love is an expansion. Fear is a contraction. You must live in that place of love and that place of expansion and recognize that everything happens for a reason and it serves us. Finding your life less than perfect is a waste of your time. And all you can truly do is deal with what emerges. Amen, brother. And I love that, you know, we're kind of ending on a love note because ultimately, that similar to what you just shared about the mask, you got to love yourself so that you can love others. You, you cannot give what you don't have. So sure. if you're not able to fully accept who you are and who you aren't, which is, yep. I, mean, I mean, that's part of the challenge as well. I think some people, they lament maybe the fact that they didn't have the ideal experience they either would have liked or what have you. And then, then it becomes a self-inflicted victimhood because it's nothing you could have done anyway, because it didn't happen. It so. wasn't, it wasn't that way. No, I, I wish I had met my wife, you know, when I was in my mid twenties, I wish that I had started on that romance that much earlier. The challenge was if I had met her when I was in my mid twenties, I would have been arrested because she would have been three. So, um, <laughs> there's that too. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish that I had been born into a wealthy family. I wish that I hadn't been, you know, born into a household that had no running water and no electricity and no phone, 10 siblings. I wish that it had been easier. It hadn't been a struggle like that, except I don't know that my life would have ended up where it is now in bliss. I might've ended up dead. I might have right. ended up over, overdosing on drugs. I might have ended up, you know, being this horrible human being because I, I just didn't realize how the world really was. So, you know, uh, wishing your life were different than it is won't help you. You must appreciate where you are now because where you're at later will be where you're at now then. And I think that's the biggest thing is that so many people do not live in Satori. They live in the past. They live in depression. They live in the future. They live in, a, in an anxiety of what might happen that may not happen. And even if it does happen, it may actually be good for you. And they just don't know how to live in the present moment. So that said, Doug, it has been my great pleasure and honor to be in this present moment with you. I've enjoyed your company. I've appreciated you having me on your program. And I look forward to the potential of being on your program again in the future. Absolutely. Well, I would love to do some events with you when things open up because uh, that same thing, you know, with me, uh, all my gigs for, for a bit, but we're just starting to get back open. Just quickly, side note, I believe that theater that you're in Carlsbad, at the end of that road, are there like three, is there like three or four like uh, duplexes, attached housing at the end of the road? 
we are right in the very middle of Carlsbad Village. But is that, does that road go uh, perpendicular to the beach? Does it go end down at the... Yeah, at, it, goes north, it goes north and south. It's, on so, a street called, it's got a street called State Street. The theater was built in 1927. It is one of the original buildings built in Carlsbad Village. It's a 300-seat theater. It is, uh, like I said, when it was built, there was nothing around it. That's how I know it was yeah. one of the original buildings. Well, I, so, I think I lived there on that street, at the end of the street. Is there a little fresh market that goes on on Saturdays at the oh, end yeah, of that road? On, on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. Wednesday. Yeah. We lived yeah. there. Yeah, there's, there's a farmer's market. Yeah, we lived there, right? And we would get fresh fish and get sushi every week. We lived there for when I was on the road with Tony. And that was our... Uh, it was that town, it was a beautiful, beautiful town. Love it there. Yeah, we love Carlsbad. Yeah, awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much. I love you for who you are and who you aren't. And um, is there any way, anything you want to, information to leave so people could learn more about uh, certainology and what you're working yeah. on? Yeah, you know, anybody can drop us a note, uh, Lance at CertaintyInc.com. He uh, is my customer service manager. They can drop him a note and say, hey, they, I, I saw this interview with Marshall and Doug, and Marshall said that when things opened back up and he was doing his Turning Point seminar, that he would comp us two tickets worth three grand apiece to come out and hang out with him for three and a half days, two and a half days rather, three days, and uh, learn some really cool stuff. So if they want to check it out, uh, Lance at certaintyinc.com is uh, the way to get an email to Lance. Tell them they, I was on the show, offered the tickets up. And if they just want to find out some more about me, they can go to silver, S-Y-L-V-E-R.com. Check it out and uh, learn some more about what I do when I'm not hanging out at the beach house in my theater. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again, uh, working with you on changing the world. One, two, three, 12 people at a time, millionaires at a time. Let's, uh, let's create a movement that is enlightening. Sounds awesome, brother. Oh, right. th there you are. Now I can see you. Okay. <laughs> but, but check out these. Look at those headlights. They oh, those are badass. Right on. <laughs> hey, your love, brother. I'll talk to you soon. You got it, man. God bless. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.